What is the secret to feeling confident? A person feels solid. So the feeling of confidence is one that you can trust yourself to do the thing that you're about to do. Today on Feed, Play, Love, we're talking about how to find confidence when you feel you've got none. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. Confidence. It's the magic ingredient to move forward in life. Whether you've just had a baby and you feel like you're doing it all wrong, or you're about to start working again after taking a break, if you doubt yourself, you're carrying weight that makes everything harder and it limits your possibilities. Dr. Rebecca Ray is a psychologist and author. Her latest book is called Small Habits for a Big Life. Hi, Beck. How are you? Hi, Chev. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Now, the example I always use when thinking about the power of confidence is handstands. <laughs> I did not expect that, but yes, let's go with it. <laughs> Keep going with it. So I've been doing yoga for years, like decades really, and I know that I have the physical strength to do it but I just don't believe I can do it. Mm. So it's like a physical block, even though I know it's mental. Mm. Is confidence that powerful or am I giving it too much credit? No, you're not giving it too much credit, but I think perhaps what you're not giving enough credit is action to back up confidence. So one of the things that happens with confidence is that uh, people do exactly what you're describing, not handstands, um, <laughs> but they... They think that they really want to do a handstand, but they'll wait and to do it until they actually feel confident. So time goes past. You've, mm. You said you've been doing yoga for decades now, right? Yeah. How long have you wanted to do a handstand? Decades. Decades, right? <laughs> so decades you've watched people perhaps on even now on social media doing their handstands, looking amazing yes. um, and thinking, I know I can do that. And yet I don't believe I can, therefore I'm not stepping into that. One of the things about confidence is that you can't really just talk yourself into it. You, mm. you, you can't just embody confidence. Let's use the language, the zeitgeist language. You can't embody confidence and think that it would just be there and all of a sudden you just go and do the handstand. Look, the news, I know I always come on, this, <laughs> I always come on your show and go, the bad news is perhaps the news that you don't want is that <laughs> Action begets confidence. So mm. what creates confidence in the brain is doing the thing and then repeating that thing over and over again so that you wire in neural pathways that say to your brain, here is the evidence that I can do the thing, therefore you can believe in me now. So confidence comes after action. Right. So what we then need to do is to do the thing first, mm -hmm. possibly with fear as a passenger, yeah. to then wire in those neural pathways. Okay. So that makes complete sense to me in terms of handstands. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If we shift the focus a little bit, to not just talk about me, <laughs> I know. What the hell? <laughs> Let's say you've just had a baby and... Everything is so new and you feel like you're making all the mistakes. You start second-guessing yourself on everything from how you're settling the baby to whether they're getting enough milk. And this could also be because you're looking at other mums and thinking, they've got it together. Why don't I know what I'm doing? 
how can we work on our confidence in that scenario? Yeah. So one of the things about mothering is that even parenting, but particularly for the person that gave birth to the baby, what happens in the brain is the right side of the brain, which is the part of the brain that's responsible for bonding. So we have left hemispheres and right hemispheres. The right hemisphere is the emotional part of the brain. It's responsible for bonding with the baby. Whether you like it or not, here's the good news. Your brain changes when you have a baby. Mm. And it changes in the service of you connecting with that baby and then being better at connecting behaviours. And so what that means in terms of birth and then having a newborn that you're looking after is that you're more responsive to cries. You learn quite quickly what the different cries mean. You you know your baby. You know, you hear lots of advice. You know your baby best. Mm. And that's one of the things that I would like new mums to really um, hold on to because you really do know your baby best. You've got to remember that this little being has only been on the earth for as long as you've known it. And you've <laughs> yes. been the one that has known your baby from the moment it was born. No one else has spent that amount of time with the baby as you have. So that alone supports you building confidence. But the other thing that I want to say is the building part. Yes. Because it does take time, especially if you're a new mum and you've not done this before. This is new territory which means that your brain is in an unfamiliar landscape. So you need to give it time to be able to adjust. You need to give it time to be able to say, okay, hold on a second. Who am I as a parent? What do I do? What are the practical tasks that I need to master each day to do this parenting thing of a baby that has high needs? And then the second thing is that one of the things as you move along is that you'll start to become competent at tasks when before you even realize it. So sometimes we sit around wishing that we could feel confident right now, whereas if you could just give yourself permission to be with your baby and be learning each other, then you also give yourself permission to be building confidence in each other. Your baby is give, building confidence in you that you're going to be there and meet its needs. And you are developing confidence in yourself as a mother that you will be there when your baby needs it. Mm, that's such good advice. Okay, so another scenario is, let's say you've had that baby, you've taken a period of time off, could be three, six, 12 months, and you're re-entering the workforce after a break. And you're thinking, I've lost all my skills. I mastered the confidence with my baby. <laughs> Now I know how to do nothing else. Uh, you might be thinking I'm not relevant anymore. The work world has moved on. So you're starting from that long period away from work. Where do you go from there to feel more confident? You know, I don't think there's been a better time in history to be a mum returning to the workforce. Mm. I think post-pandemic, there has never been a better time in history than to be a parent now and to think about flexible working conditions, to think about what it is that you need in order to re-enter the workforce. So I think it's worth culturally observing what's happening for work globally at the moment and to use that to your advantage. Secondly, we need to look at what's happening emotionally within you because you might say, oh, look, that's great, Beck. you know, <laughs> wonderful. It's good for other people going to work from home or going to do whatever they, it is that they do, but I'm coming out of newborn phase or I'm coming out of 12 months of maternity leave um, and 
I can't think straight or I don't mm. feel like my concentration is what it once was or I can't focus because I'm too worried about the baby being in care. So one of the things to think about is that this is where we need to talk about the fact that I hate the word balance. So <laughs> I know we had this, just, I'll, I'll try not to get ranty, I promise. <laughs> no rant away, I love it. <laughs> this is where I really want listeners to work to what I would call work-life life rhythm. So you would have found a rhythm with you and your baby and now that you're thinking about going back to work or maybe you have gone back to work and you're all of a sudden realising that you feel like an octopus, there is, you know, pulling at you on every single tentacle across multiple areas of your life that there isn't a time where you're going to get it perfect. I don't get it perfect. You don't get it perfect, Chev. Not we at all. have these conversations all the time. But the thing that you can work on is, well, what's the rhythm? So if you can find a rhythm for your life in this season right now, then what that helps you should be able to do is to distribute your energy across the areas that are most important right now in your life. So base it on your values. So for instance, I have a four-year-old. This period of time is he's quite high needs. So I'm staying with a friend while I'm down here in Sydney who has teenage kids, they're off in their rooms on iPads, right? <laughs> <laughs> they don't need a lot of input or perhaps they should need more input, but um, Bennett needs a lot more input than that. I can't mm. just pop him on a screen and think he'll be fine for hours and hours and hours. I kind of wish I could, but yeah, no, I know. I, I know. <laughs> so for this particular season, it's about understanding that there's a rhythm. And so you're looking at Am I giving what each area of my life needs from me so that when I'm 80 years old, I can look back at this period and go, I did the best that I could. Now, as you do that, you're going to build confidence in that rhythm. Remember, confidence comes last. The rhythm comes first to the action comes first. The confidence comes last because confidence is a feeling that is based on evidence that your brain needs. So um, while you were saying that, it did make me think of um, parents, probably mothers more particularly, who have taken longer than their maternity leave. So they may have decided to be at home with the kids or needed to be at home with the kids until let's say they hit primary school and were, it was easier to have that time going back to work. And in that period of raising children, that is all they've been able to do. So in terms of skill set, their skills might be six years old, five years old, or, or even more than that. And they're wanting to re-enter re a workforce that will absolutely be different to what it was when they were, before they started. And you hear a lot of mums say, I don't, I don't have any working skills. Yeah. I'm a parent. Yep. And so this lack of confidence comes from an idea that they don't have any skills. Yep. So that's, that's just a very general statement because I'm not saying, I, obviously, I don't know what people want to do when they re-enter yeah, the workforce yeah. and that's going to be particular to what skill set you get. But just that feeling that you've taken time out to raise kids, now you're going back into work and you're thinking, oh, I'm just a mum. This is such a great question. And you know, I'm going to get ranty about that. Oh, I oh, want you to get ranty. Because as soon as I said just a mum, yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I know, we both shuddered. <laughs> um, so 
we're going to change perspective here, not confidence. Okay. Okay. This feels like a confidence issue, but it's actually a perspective issue because if we look at the skills involved in parenting, they are actually transferable skills that are incredibly valuable in a working environment. There's planning, there's organizing, there's decision-making, there's flexibility, there's responding to needs in a fast-paced way. There's making sure that other people are sorted and there's then there's making sure that your own needs are counted somewhere along the lines. You know, your chauffeur, your cook, your um, <laughs> all the things, right? I'm not. I'm not a cook. I don't. I have a wife for that. I yes. Just, I just get a wife. Like I <laughs> highly recommend everyone should have a wife. 12 out of 10 would recommend if she's like my wife. But the thing that I want you to think about is the perspective here is that the skills that you've been using on a daily basis are incredibly valuable when they're applied to a work environment. Unfortunately, if you go to a workplace where those skills aren't necessarily seen as valuable, so this is the risk here, right? That you might be wanting a particular job that perhaps devalues parents taking time out to be with their kids. Then I want you to look at it a different way because we can't always control what happens outwardly in terms of the work environment, that's then coming back to yourself and understanding that you're not less than because you took that time. You took that time so that you could pour into your children. And as you pour into your child, what you're doing is creating that connection for a time period that you'll never, ever get back. So please don't doubt that. Please don't think, oh my goodness, have I done the wrong thing for my career? No, but more importantly, you've done the right thing for your children children. If, you, if that was your decision, I'm not saying that everyone has to stay at home, but I'm saying if that's the decision you wanted to make, then that is the right thing for you as a parent. Mm. Now, in terms of navigating perhaps a workforce or perhaps a job culture that's not as um, parent-led, one of the things I want to say about that is, is this the job you have to have? Can we just ask that question first? Do you do you have to work for this for these people? Do you have to work with these people who clearly have values that now go against your life trajectory? Mm. Because if you do, then why? I, I just want a really good answer to that. So as listeners are thinking about that, if you have an excellent answer, then okay. But can we also see if there's any flexibility around that? Because if you're working in an environment that doesn't promote your connection with your child in some way, then you're constantly be going to be up against a culture that goes against the heart of what you're doing at home. And it's very hard to work in an environment where you don't feel like you can go and pick Bennett up from school if he's sick. Mm. because you're going to be looked down upon or because, well, does so-and-so get a break because you left work a couple of hours early? And how do we know that you're getting those emails done at home? I mean, how do we actually know? Is anyone counting that? <laughs> so if if you're in a job like that, my first question is, um, do you have to be there? Mm. And my second question is, if you feel like the confidence is your problem there, it's not. Your problem there is the fact that you're not in an environment that's supporting you to be a parent. Yeah. So secondly, if you absolutely have to stay in that environment, even if it's just for a time while you're looking for another position or something like that, um, or you're contracted to after maternity leave to go back for a certain amount of, amount of time, then it's about knowing that you need to be in integrity with your own values as much as possible and work with the environment so that you don't need to make life harder than it needs to be. 
So that means about being in a place where you have your own internal boundaries of what you will and won't accept for your life, but then there might be certain things that you just have to do to get the job done and not make it harder. During that period, you might find that your confidence is rocked or that your confidence is kind of absent. I want you to be really careful to not make that about you because it's very difficult to build confidence going back into a work environment if you're coming from maternity leave back into an environment that's not supportive of you being a parent. So that's not a nurturing environment to cultivate seeds of confidence that can then bloom. It just doesn't happen like that. So I don't want to set people up for failure, you know, by going, oh, you can just go back to work and be all confident if you're going back to work and it's shitty, you know, like, no, we don't work like that. This is not how I want you to operate. We don't just expect you to go into an, an environment that is devoid of the ingredients that you need to flourish as a human being and then say you need to be confident. It doesn't work like that. Mm. And the the saying that I'm thinking of as well here is if you want something done, give it to a busy woman or, you know, a busy mum. So if someone's thinking I don't have the skills, you may not practically, honestly, have the skills, but you have the potential. Yeah. And I think most employers can see that, right? If you, You have the potential, you have the resilience that six years or however many years of parenting has given you. Yeah. That's huge. And you also have the skill of being able to go, oh, my goodness, I've got five minutes to get this done and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. You know? So productive. Exactly. You get this hyper productivity in a short space of time. And so there's something about being able to bring those skills into the work environment, which means you're not stuffing around on social media or having a gas bag at the water cooler because you're seeing your friends. You know that you've only got a certain amount of time to get this done before your attention has to be diverted out um, elsewhere. So you Mm. just get excellent at that. Yeah. And maybe as well, part of it is reflecting on how far you've come. Because I sometimes think, I look at my colleagues who are just having kids now and a few things have come up and we've chatted about it and I'm like, and I'm realizing that, yes, it is like what you say, confidence comes with time, but I've never stopped and reflected on how much I have changed as a person. I know I've changed as a person since I became a parent, Yeah. but I never gave it that kind of attribute to say, actually, I am better at doing these things and I've changed because I've done these things as a parent, you know, it's always been like, oh, this is just what we do and blah, because so many people do it. But if you actually value that experience, it's pretty powerful. It can also be really powerful to ask other people how they think you've changed. Hey, yeah. My sister-in-law said to me, Bennett was just a baby at the time. And um, she said to me, you seem to have softened since becoming a mum. And I sat there and kind of looked at her and went, I'm a psychologist, dude. Like, <laughs> aren't I soft? Like, I, I was thinking, I is, can't imagine you not being this soft. This is not my job. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but she said that I was quite different in the way that I, you know, huh. obviously was with my family because that's when she sees me. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily in work mode. And I thought that was a really interesting observation that there was a softening of me thanks to, I guess, a softening of becoming a mum and this connection with a little being. But I think when other people observe us, because sometimes other people can make, assuming they're psychologically safe people, you know, people that you trust, when people make those observations, they can notice things about you that you don't know for yourself, that you're doing these things incredibly well 
And you don't even notice it because it's just what you do now. Mm, That's very smart. Okay, look, finally, do you have any practical tips uh, that could help folks sort of move towards a greater feeling of confidence in themselves? Yeah, do the thing. Do the thing. Yes. Do the handstand, Chef. Do the handstand. (laughs) Yes, next time I see you, please, you need to report back that you've done a handstand. Um, So one of the things that, because it's very easy for me to say that, so can we just acknowledge that? I'm sitting here saying go and do the thing, you know. It's it's almost like an Instagram tile that says just think positive. (laughs) Oh, hard eye roll, people, hard eye roll. Um, Your brain needs to see action from you and there is an element of believing in yourself that can be very helpful that that you might not want to wait for. So I'm going to give you one statement that I want you to practice for yourself that really helps me when I'm about to do something, but I've not yet done it. And the statement is, I relentlessly believe in my own potential. I relentlessly believe in my own potential. So I'm not I'm not cheerleading and rah rahing myself saying you've got this when I've done never done it before. Mm-hmm. What I am saying though is I've got potential, and there has been so many times in my life that I have stepped into my potential. I have evidence for that. I may not have evidence for the handstand, but <laughs> I have I have evidence that I can step into my potential. So I believe in the potential. I relentlessly believe in my own potential. Say that to yourself, and then go and do the thing. I'm totally making a meme out of that. (laughs) I'll I'll credit you. Don't worry. Beck, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Chef. That's Dr. Rebecca Ray. Her latest book is called Small Habits for a Big Life. It's out now and you'll find links to the book in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way, you'll get all the new episodes, plus we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now.